This is the Truth Hurts Program. Welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z for Monday, February 27th, 2023. I am sitting in the front seat behind the steering wheel, the old F-250, on a trip to Baton Rouge, Louisiana today to the state capitol. Take care of a little business. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. I've been asked a few questions as to why we have not been publishing as many episodes of the Truth Hurts program lately. And to be honest with you, I have gone the entire time here at the Truth Hurts program and I've not been deplatformed, which is amazing considering all of the censorship performed by people who scour the internet for programs, podcasts, scour the radio programs, the television programs, trying to find a way to cancel people. I am utterly surprised that I haven't been canceled with some of the things I say and do here on this program, but I think they are doing their best to try and throttle this program. Last week, I did three programs that never made it to the podcast, never made it to the publishing room, not for my own problems, not for my own technical difficulties, but because the platform itself, I guess, decided that the material I was sharing was a little too controversial, so they dumped it. They didn't send me any notifications to say, hey, Steve Z, you were a little over the top when you were talking about Joe Biden's mental fitness or lack thereof. You were a little over the top when you spoke about how we are giving away our national treasure to countries like the Ukraine or handing our sovereignty over to illegal criminal law-breaking, trespassing, invading migrants at the southern border. They didn't say, hey, we want you to edit the 31st minute or the 21st minute or the 15th minute. We would like you to take out this word or this phrase. No, sir. They did not even offer me that opportunity. They simply eliminated the program. With all the things I have going on between work, side work, life, and all of my hobbies, I did not have the time within their prescribed period to recover said audio because most of those programs were performed, as this one is, directly into the host platform. In other words, I usually sit behind the plastic microphone at the Truth Hurts Program Network Studio 63, and therefore I have the ability to recover that lost audio. These programs that I'm talking about were played directly into the podcasting platform using either my cell phone or the mobile studio. Anyway, I don't want to bore you all with the details. There have been fewer episodes of the Truth Hurts program published in the last couple of weeks because of what I call censorship by the left of conservative thought-provoking commentary. Who knows if today's program will even make it to the air. Of course, after hours and hours online 
in the chat room for the podcast hosting platform and no results. One lady who called herself Rose at the help desk did say, you might want to continue doing the program from your cellular phone until we can figure out why those programs uploaded online over your computer are not making it to the platform. Anyway, this is the Truth Hurts Program. Our email is thetruthhurtsprogram at gmail.com. We can be reached at Hertz Program, at H-U-R-T-S Program, on Twitter. And I have a backup program server. In case this one is canceled altogether, you'll be able to look up the Truth Hurts Network instead of the Truth Hurts program. And we may give that a shot, change the platform. And of course, for those of you on our listener mailing list, at Hertz program on Twitter and the Truth Hurts program at gmail.com, you may receive an email from the Truth Hurts network at gmail.com and you'll be able to pick up an alternative to this, not an alternative to it, but an alternate program at the Truth Hurts Network.com. Okay, it was a busy, busy weekend, as they all seem to be, as spring has actually sprung in South Louisiana. The last seven days, temperatures, high temperatures each day have been over 80 degrees. Not global warming, it's just New Orleans, y'all. We do have a couple of cold snaps still in store for us over the next few weeks. It's going to be quite interesting, and we'll see how that works out. I want to talk for a moment about the magic blinky light. The magic blinking light. When you're driving down the highway, let's say you're in the left-hand lane, and you're coming up on someone driving much slower than you, Instinctively, you want to pass. You want to go around the slow-moving vehicle. It's human nature. It's designed in your brain to get ahead in life, not to sit behind. So what do you do? You turn on your turn signal, and you get over, and you attempt to pass that person. Now, while I get over to the left lane to pass this slow-moving tour bus here, It amazes me how the guy in the right lane ahead of me, who was ahead of me, just decides at the last second to cut right in front of me. Just cut me off. And when I give him a dirty look, you know what he does? He rolls down his window and shouts, I had my signal on. The signal, the magic blinky light, of course. That's not only the permission slip, it's the warning that I am coming over no matter what and to hell with you and how fast you were going, you will slam your brakes on to allow me in because my magic yellow blinking light is on. Now, it's a lot better than cutting in front of me without using a signal, but cutting in front of me, period, is an offense to me in my travel space, impeding my travel. You cut over in front of me. Oh, but it's okay because you turned on the magic yellow blinky light. I get it. You're entitled. 
You are an entitled millennial. And because you turned on the magic yellow blinky light, the world is supposed to simply excuse your transgression. I get it. I don't really get it. You're an idiot. You're an idiot wrapped in a moron. And you can't help yourself. And it's not really your fault, millennials, Gen Z, Gen X. It's not your fault. Your parents, like I did, my own mistakes, your parents wanted you to have what they thought would be a better life than what they had. They saw you rolling your eyes when your parents would tell you, we played outdoors from sunup to sundown. Sometimes we played right through lunchtime. We sweated. We climbed trees. We rode our bicycles through ditches and ravines and over hills, through woods and forests. We only came on when the streetlights came on because that's what our parents expected of us. And we obeyed dutifully, without question. We did what our parents told us to do. And when our own children said, gee, that kind of sounds like your parents were dictators. I thought you people were all about freedom. Wow, I can't believe our parents were sheeple under the dictatorial rule of their evil dictator parents. God, I thought grandma and grandpa were pretty cool, but apparently they were jerks. Then you, in parent mode, wanting to be your child's friend because every television show that came on showed the children learning a lesson, but not because their parents yelled at them, but because their parents were their friends. Their parents were their pals. You modified your parental behavior to be different than what your own parents taught you. Your own parents were dictators and usually out of necessity. Your own parents, who would now be in their 80s, 90s, maybe even 100 if they were still alive, your own parents ruled with an iron fist. And that's what made you, today's late baby boomers, the late end, the people born in the 1960s, the early 60s, even those of you who were born in the early 1970s, your own parenting style is much, much different than your own parents. I promise you. So in an attempt to be your children's friend, pal, buddy, in an attempt to not sound old and crotchety like your own parents, you modified, changed, alternated, adjusted, and therefore screwed up in raising your own children, for the most part. Which is why today's 20-somethings, 30-somethings, and I dare say even today's young 40-somethings have an entirely screwed up method of raising their own children. And they themselves are finding themselves to feel entitled, privileged, as if the world owes them something and they do not have to do anything for themselves. Case in point, yesterday I was in a grocery store, a large national chain. Yes, I'll say it. I went to the world of Wally 
they had a few items that I wanted and they were very much lower in price than had I gone to the local garden center. And I know, Steve, you're part of the problem for shopping at the World of Wally instead of at John's Garden Center. I get it. But sometimes you're in a hurry and you can get everything at once, so you go to the World of Wally. Anyway, that's an aside. I was there at the World of Wally. I watched about a three year old and maybe a six year old with their parents. Yes, both of them actually. The mommy and the daddy. Very rare in today's society. Walking through the store, and the little boy did what little boys do. Three years old, he saw a toy, he picked it up, he liked it, he wanted it. Mom said, No, we cannot afford it right now. You know, Joe Biden's inflation and all, taking all of their expendable income, all of their discretionary income away from them. 14.8% over the last two years since Joe Biden took office. They couldn't afford it. Please put it back, little boy. She called him by name. But for the sake of his privacy, I'll just say little boy. Little boy slams the toy to the ground. Don't know if he broke it or not. God, I hope not. Toys in China for toys from China are much more cheaply made nowadays. And the little boy proceeded to throw a temper tantrum right there in the store. Now, did mom grab him up by the shoulders and pop him one time to shock him into the reality that mom said no? Uh-uh. She sat there and she put herself in this loving pose and started sweetly talking to the little boy who only wanted the toy because he's entitled to it. Because mommy and daddy probably have been giving him everything he wants since he was born. Mom had become frustrated. She looked at the father, young man, and she said, you try. And then he tried speaking in a soft tone to the little boy who kicked and screamed and kicked dad in the ankle and kicked the shopping cart and kicked the shelf all while his back was grinding against the floor, the filthy, dirty floor of the world of Wally. You know they don't mop that floor constantly. Kicking and screaming, and I'm thinking to myself, and blocking the aisle, by the way, if that would have been me, and I was three, and I threw such a temper, trust me, Belt would have been set to buttocks by my father right there in the store. And it would have been humiliating and embarrassing and somewhat painful, but I would have learned something from that lesson. I would have learned that this is not proper behavior and I would modify my behavior and I would no longer be kicking and screaming when I can't get my way. And I watched this mother and father so frustrated with their small child who was kicking and screaming and yelling and just throwing an absolute tantrum in front of everyone in the store. There was no embarrassment at all, none. The older child just sat there as if this was normal behavior, didn't try to intervene and say, come on, little so-and-so, maybe mom can get you a toy later. No, just wandered off in her own little world as this young boy continued his tirade. 
Eventually, as predicted, you know what happened. They put the toy in the shopping cart. Okay, we'll let you have this one thing just this time. But you have to learn that this is not the way you're going to get everything you want by kicking and screaming and making a scene. Do you realize you've embarrassed mommy and daddy? That's not the way we taught you to act in public. I tell you what, if I'd have been that three-year-old boy, I'd have gone home with some definite telltale signs of the ass whooping I would have received. Guaranteed. As the child went through the store, all now happy, playing with the toy for about two minutes, I saw the big bin, B-I-N, the bin, with all the big giant rubber balls at the end of the aisle, and I knew what was coming next. As predicted, the little boy said, I want that big blue ball. And the mom said, no, you already have the dump truck toy. Can you guess? Can you guess at all what happened? For those of you who are not familiar with today's youth, I said youth, not youth. The boy threw the dump truck that he had thrown a five-minute temper tantrum over. He threw it out of the shopping cart onto the floor and said, no, now... I want the ball. I would have snatched his ass up out of that basket and give him a whooping. And he would have not gotten the dump truck or the ball. This child will never, ever learn. He will never grow. And I promise you, in just a few short years, for his 19th, 20th, 21st birthday... His parents will throw him a lavish party if they can. Who knows, they may even go into debt to throw a party for this child. And this child will be living in his mother's basement, probably for eternity, demanding breakfast be at a certain time, in a certain way, in a certain manner, demanding that everything continue to be handed to him. And yes, he will vote Democrat if we still have elections 20 years from now. He will demand everything from his aging parents and they will willingly continue to give it to him because you can't have your children angry with you. I did see a t-shirt on an old man the other day at the World of Wally, or excuse me, yesterday at the World of Wally. The t-shirt said, I have to be nice because my children will pick the nursing home. Wow. And that's true. Think about that. Your parents have given so much to you throughout your life. And even more so if you're a millennial or a Gen Xer or a Gen Zer. I think early Gen X kids got their label because they were no longer part of the baby boom that came out of the World War II era. I was one of the last years of the baby boomers. Boomers. We're now the bad people. We're the ones who fuss at our children. We're the ones who spanked our children in the hopes of getting good results, just like our parents did to us. Then that next generation came out with this new television 
TV dinner, hot pockets generation. Mom doesn't slave over a stove and keep the house spotless because mom was forced to work. Unlike when I was a child, mom got to stay home. The house was spotless. Sure, they smoked in the living room, which bothered the hell out of me. But other than that, the house was spotless and there was always always a hot home-cooked meal waiting for us when the streetlights came on. Yep, the kids of today and even the young adults of today don't have a clue what it was like when you got off the school bus and you came home and mom was home and mom helped you with your homework to make sure you succeeded in life and she helped you through those math problems even though she herself probably didn't have that much knowledge on math she helped you she read through the materials and she learned herself while teaching you she cared that your handwriting was proper she cared that your assignment was completed she cared because she would be at the PTA meetings and did not want to hear how you were falling behind because that would have identified her as a failure Dad went to his job, whether he was a welder, a pipe fitter, a janitor, an attorney, a doctor, a dentist, store manager at the grocery. Dad worked. Dad brought home the money. And mom and dad did the best they could with you on a single income. But then the television really started to get to them. Every show had a new car in the driveway and everyone rallied around the new car and they laughed at old Mr. Johnson with his beat up old tinker, his clunker. And your dad didn't want to feel like Mr. Johnson on television driving around in an old clunker. So dad encouraged mom to get a job outside the home. And mom got a job outside the home. Not mine, but most. this is what happened to, to most of the people. My mom did eventually get a job after my father passed away. I was 15 years old. Mom took a job as a secretary at a school. It wasn't much money, but it was enough. We got along. But back to the generation that is currently young parents. The young parents of today. Their own parents were from the two working family household. Dad got up in the morning, went to his job. Mom shuffled you off to school or daycare and then went to her job. Got home from school with a key around your neck or in your pocket or in your wallet or your little purse as a child. And you came home and you were expected to do your homework and you had some chores because after all, mom and dad both work. It's not fair that you just get to live here and do nothing. And so dinner went from being a home-cooked spaghetti and meatballs to being hot pockets and fish sticks, TV dinners, everything instantly done. And it made way for the entitlement generation. All these young children felt entitled to get whatever they wanted for dinner. If Timmy didn't like fish sticks, by golly, he could have a hot pocket. If Josie didn't like fish sticks or Hot Pockets, Mom could make her a Swanson or Morton's TV dinner. Maybe chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese. 
And fast food was relatively cheap, so some nights mom would just stop at the old drive up, pick up a few hamburgers, a few cheeseburgers, some fries, and everybody ate what everybody wanted, and to hell with what mom would have cooked. And they all thought they were better off. They were all much larger in stature, fatter. Yes, I said fatter, because fat is obviously a bad thing, right? I was looking at photographs in an old photo album the other day of us when we were teenagers in the 1970s at the lakefront in New Orleans. Everyone was thin. Everyone was trim, fit. All of us boys, we ran around with no shirts on, with our six-pack abs, and we didn't try. We didn't sit at the gym and do crunches for hours and hours on end. As I said early in the broadcast, we played outdoors from sun up to sun down. We built tree forts and tree houses. We cut our own wood with crappy little saws out of our father's tool shed. We hammered nails. We dragged plywood from dumpsters and construction sites. We rode our bicycles. We were in great shape. As I said, we did a breakfast at home. Usually, mom was up, she made breakfast for us, even during the summer months when she could have slept in. Mom was up early making dad's breakfast and our breakfast, and it was a healthy breakfast. It wasn't a bowl of sugary, disgusting, fibrous bran flakes and corn flakes, oat flakes and wheat flakes and rice flakes. It was usually bacon and eggs, hash browns or grits, sausage. Sometimes it was a bowl of disgusting oatmeal, but it was always a hot breakfast for us. And then, bye, see you tonight, we would leave. One of the pitfalls to doing the program from the front seat of the old F-250 on the cell phone instead of at Studio 63. My apologies for the loud ringing sound, if you did hear that. The phone call came in, and it was a long one, 20 minutes, so I've definitely lost my original train of thought. I'm pretty sure that we were speaking about the rearing of today's ute and the entitled feeling that all of these young folks have, this mentality that everything is owed to them. I've actually heard young people scream at their parents, I did not ask to be born. Hmm. What wonderful adults they will end up being. Because I guess with abortion being such a easy, inexpensive way to control Z, an unwanted child, there's no value to the life of the unborn, so why should you value the life of the born? Perhaps that's why our society is falling apart to the way it is. If your little boy is indoctrinated in school by some sick, twisted, perverted teacher into thinking, if you want to be a girl, it's okay. Look at what I did. I used to be Mr. Smith, but now I'm Ms. Smith. See? It's easy to transition then your children will grow up thinking the same thing. And they will demand that you pay for it. The gender-affirming care, they call it. The only thing you can affirm is something that is 
there. And the fact of the matter is, if you are a boy, if you were born with a penis and testicles, you're a boy, you're a male, period. You cannot be anything other than that. The only affirming you can do is to affirm, which is to confirm, which is to understand, realize, and accept the fact that no matter what you do, no matter how you twist, mutilate, destroy your body, you are still a boy. You can cut off your pecker, cut off your testicles, but your chromosomal makeup does not lie. You are going to be a male until the day you die. And if you're a girl, you can have them carve out sections of thigh meat and fashion yourself a phony penis and have it stitched right where a penis goes. You can do everything, including funneling your urine through a fake tube through your fake penis. But doesn't make you a guy. You're still a girl. You're a mutilated girl, but you're still a girl. Affirming. Gender affirming? What a lie of a phrase. You're lying to yourselves. Then we expect our government, our media, and society to accept these people. Because after all, they got the dump truck and the toy ball when they threw temper tantrums as young children. Folks, I've run out of time for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. You go out there and make it a magnificent Monday, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended, but I retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program was pre-recorded. Thank you.